You are now listening to the QD Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, get again, What's up, everybody? You're listening to the QE Podcast, and you're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. And I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Q&E podcast. We got a lot of NBA stuff for y'all today. Uh, you know, we got a lot of topics about the MVP conversation, the season coming to an end. We in the last 20 game stretch. Uh, so, you know, we're going to go through our contenders and pretenders and whatnot as we near the end of the season at this point. And we got sports on um, not sports, but we got entertainment and current events for y'all this week as well. Yes, yeah, so if this is your first time listening to the Q&E podcast, we do have five segments. We have our sports segment, Two Wild Wednesday, Social Media Wants to Know, Entertainment and Current Events, and Pass the Ox. So definitely stick with us throughout this whole episode. First thing we got to start off talking about is obviously the Los Angeles Lakers, man. Because obviously they got hit with a big blow this week with LeBron going down. We don't know when he's going to return. There is no timetable. Currently, they say he's going to be out for two to three weeks. But honestly, that's not really two to three weeks until he's back. That's two to three weeks until he's reevaluated again. Then they'll see if he has to take more time. Because in the game versus Dallas, didn't he say he he heard a pop in his leg or something like that? So usually when you hear like a pop in your leg, it's like usually an Achilles. So knock on wood, it's not that. But it's something related to the ankle, the foot. It's all connected at the end of the day. So Edgar, with that being said, with the Lakers having this trade, with them being... In contention, a lot of people are starting to really start to ride the Los Angeles Lakers wave over this past weekend after their win versus the Mavs. Where do the Lakers go from here? Uh, I honestly think without LeBron, the the Lakers are cooked at this point, bro. Like they were damn near cooked even when he was playing, even when he does get 30 points like eight nights in a row. Like they're just the team as a whole, they are just not accomplishing the goals that they need to accomplish, especially this late into the season. And it seems like they were going to pick up some steam after getting, you know, the um the trade deadline moves that they made and whatnot, having new faces in the building, you know, getting a lot more production offensively and defensively. But now we're just we're at a point now where it's like, damn, like if AD can't lead the charge, which I doubt he can any damn way. Like, I don't see the Lakers doing anything, bro. Can they even get in the play-in? Forget the playoffs. Can they get in the play-in? Because there's, what, 20 games left, maybe 19? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I I don't know. They'd have to go on the best run of the season, damn near, to keep their play-in hopes alive. Not even just play-off, their play-in hopes. So I I think they cooked at this point. They've been damn near cooked anyway, but we've been banking on Braun this whole time. But Brian playing on a bum ankle at 38 is way different than what we saw with 27-year-old Patrick Mahomes mm. playing on a bum ankle. So I, I think they could, bro. That shit crazy, too, seeing Brian on the sideline with a boot, bro. That tells you, bro, that that father time always catches up. He's defied it for years, so I ain't going to act like father time caught him at the right time. But it usually always catches up, bro. And just seeing him in that boot mm-hmm. yesterday was crazy to me. Cause that nigga is really a cyborg. <laughs> like he's not supposed to be in boots, dog. It's crazy. For now, I think the the Lakers are cooked, though. AD can't stay healthy. Bron can't stay healthy. Nobody's really leading this charge. They were cooked anyway. I heard this news about Bron being out two to three weeks, and probably even more time after that. I said I knew they were cooked. Cause AD can't lead you to the play in, even if you're they're only like a game 
or game or two out of the play-in right now is so many other hungrier teams in the Western Conference that have their stars healthy right now. And those are the teams that I'm looking at, whether you're talking about the Shea Gilch Alexander and the Thunder, whether you're talking about Dane, whether you're talking about Minnesota and the Timberwolves with Anthony Edwards going on their run. It's so many hungrier teams in the play-in right now, and the Lakers just can't get right, bro. They looked good the past week, though. When Bron came back, when AD was healthy, Jared Vanderbilt played a hell of a game against Luka Doncic. It looked like it was all going to click at the perfect time. They only were like a game out of like 10th place. But obviously, the, uh, that injury for Bron came at the wrong time, bro. And it, uh, that's going to end up killing their season. But this is what I will say about the Lakers, bro. Looking forward to next year, because I think this season is done. I, I, I'm going to have them once again up there in that contention talk. I think obviously that banks a lot on their health. If Bron can be the same Bron or like a similar Bron to what he was this year, if he can give you at least 60 games. But with the talent that they acquired at that trade deadline, bro, that's some serious talent that you can build on, bro. Hachimura, Vanderbilt, Beasley a shooter. Whether you keep D'Angelo Russell, they could probably bring in Kyrie too. It's so much potential to this Lakers team. And it's crazy that the biggest up-in-the-air variables are like the health of their two stars. But the surrounding pieces are there for a, a title run, bro. If they can just get one more healthy year out of Bron. They have the pieces surrounding them, bro. I truly believe that. Uh, I think my take... I don't think I have a controversial take. I think I just have the opposite opinion. I First off, I don't think the Lakers will be in the cream of the crop next year when we talk about what teams from the West can make it to the finals. But I also don't know if LeBron can be the one to lead them next year, bro. Like, I honestly don't. Like, we really have to have a conversation about this now of can LeBron be the best player on a team at this point, bro? Like, I, I don't think it's possible anymore. I know we tried to have that conversation with this Lakers team over the last year or two of AD has to step up. AD has to be the best player. But we see AD has not been able to take up that mantle, whether it's health reasons or whether he just hasn't been able to do it. LeBron has still been the best player on the Lakers, and he's been the catalyst when they're doing well, and he's been the MVP when he's not playing because they clearly tank when he's not on the floor. So LeBron finna be 39 this next season, by mid-season next, um, next time. And I can't count on a 30-year, even as great as LeBron is, we see with this foot injury to where he's going to be out for some weeks just to see if he can come back. Like you said, we don't even know if after two or three weeks he's touching the floor again. I think it's safe to say that LeBron has reached that point in his career, bro. He will not be the best player on whatever team he goes to. And I can't question agree. I put, I can't the question agree, I put in the notes, the question I put in the notes, and I, I think this is another conversation we got to have. Will he ever reach another finals before the end of his career? That, that's a serious question. We got to really ask that question now. Because I don't think he could be the number one player on a team anymore. Not saying he can't I, I, I don't get agree. A I don't agree with that point. point. I don't agree with that point. But him reaching the finals is crazy, though, bro. Because because I think the real controversial take in there, not controversial take, but the real Opposing the real take. thorn in his in his hopes is really KD going mm -hmm. to, to the Suns, bro. If KD wasn't with the Suns, I would probably tell you there's a high likelihood, even though you still got the Warriors. I'm not scared of anybody else in the fucking West. Who am I scared of? 
like a, a team that Brian has bullied for the past however many years. It's like, yeah, you got some up-and-coming teams, but Brian has a track record against these teams. But since KD is with the Suns, that's the only team that I truly confidently look at and say, that's the team I don't know if he can make it through. Everybody else, I'll be, I would probably give Brian the edge in any other matchup, bro. Just because of what he is and what they can be, him and AD can be together, I'm always going to give Brian the edge. No matter how old he is, I'm always give him that edge. Nah, I, I got to look at it for what it is, bro. I got to call a spade a spade. I love LeBron. I don't think he even needs to win another chip. But do I think he could even get to another one? That it, he would have to be in the perfect situation. Braun will have to be on a team where he damn near don't even really got to get 25 a night, bro. Like, he can cruise and get 20 a night and still make the finals. He will have to be on a team where he's like the second or third option, bro. I'm telling you, I know we don't want to look at it like that because it's Bron. What and team it's like, does he bro, go to when he's the second option, bro? Like, let's be realistic here. When Bron is healthy, wh where what team is Bron the second option on, bro? That, that let's man, be real. I'm not saying I'm not saying being the second option in terms of he's not the best player on the floor, but I'm saying second option in he cannot lead the charge. That's why I said with people there's only saying three AD to four people to that can charge. be a number one over Braun right now. Even at 38, there's only four, really four to five names that can be a number one over Braun, bro. And I, are, it might not be who, that. Who are they? It might be Steph. It's Steph Curry. It is Giannis Antetokounmpo. And nigga, the list gets thin after that, bro. It ain't a lot of niggas. Kevin Durant probably up there. It ain't a lot of niggas on that list. You gonna say Luca? I'd probably give you Luka because of the age. After that, I'm not giving you Jokic. I'm probably not going to give you Embiid because Embiid probably not going to be the number one. He got to be a wing has to be the dominant player. And I'm like, come on. Who else? Who else is leading the charge, bro? It's only three to four you're, names you're that I can truly point. say <laughs> that can say uh, be truly number ones over Bron. Bron is still that guy when healthy. Obviously, that's a big variable. But it's not too many niggas that's a, a better player when Bron is healthy than LeBron James, bro. It's only three niggas I would pick, and he's the number two option if he goes to the, but, his, their team. But it's that when he's healthy, that's the thing. That's the part of your argument that is starting to wail a little bit to where it's like, I can't just say when he's healthy because it's like he's clearly not going to be 100%. I mean, he hardly ever – any of these players past 35 are hardly ever 100% at this point now. I mean, you could but, say the same about KD. KD, 34, yeah, get hurt KD, every year. But, but he's KD, the number one on his team right now. But KD still like what three, four years younger than Braun, and you still plays a factor. So. But the injury still plays a part. Nigga get hurt and legit yeah. every year, way more than Braun does. But we still consider him a number one, whether age comes into it or not. The injuries still play a part, but he's still considered a number one. So that's why I'm saying it's not too many teams, even though he's the the age and injury aren't on his side, bro. There are not too many players still better than Braun, bro, that he would be a number two option on, bro. So I, where does he go? Does he go play with, with Dame or does Dame come play with him? That's probably another name I can probably give you. If Dame is leading a charge and Braun is on that team, okay. But that's, that's, that's probably that. Dame is the fifth player I named that can truly be a number one over Braun? Everybody else, I don't think so, bro. Everybody else will be second tier. So... I don't know, bro. Will he get there? I don't know. I still think this Lakers team is good enough. If they would have had this team the whole year, I think their record would have been different and they're in a totally different position. But obviously, the injuries from their two stars obviously have them in this position right now and have them on the outside looking in. But I still think they're good. 
Moving on, we got the Jokic stat pattern, bro. What's been the talk with this? Yeah, so the leading MVP candidate right now, Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets, he's been the head of a lot of NBA controversy right now when it comes to stat padding. Y'all know people get on Brian head all the time of, hey, he just stat, he just stat padding at this point. He don't care about getting another chip. Russell Westbrook, the bad boy of the league, you know, everybody gets on him. After them two, three years of triple doubles, people just tagged him as a stat padder at that point. And there's a couple other people you could probably say have that tag. But when it comes to Jokic, the conversation isn't really rising up. I don't think he's stat padding. I think the the stats that um, Jokic is getting are very valuable, and they're the reason he's un- the team is undefeated when he gets a triple-double. He's the sixth person in NBA history to have 100-plus triple-doubles. And do you? Ha- I want to say, yes, the playoff success isn't showing with those stats, but as far as winning, as far as having winning seasons, as far as being the MVP on your team, I can't sit here and say Nikola Jokic is stat padding. So Kendrick Perkins and a lot of other people who are saying, like, we're glorifying Jokic, but we slandered Russ, it, it's, I don't think it's the same. I think there were two different um, situations. And Russ was great when he was doing his triple-doubles. But y'all was because, slandering him, though. Because nobody yeah, ever – this is, this is the thing with the Westbrook and the Jokic point. Westbrook got slandered because he was the first of his kind, bro. And when you're the first to do something, you get slandered for it. We see Jokic doing this shit now, but but Westbrook took all the heat for it. So now Jokic can do it, and nobody really give a fuck because we've seen it done before. That's why Jokic isn't getting as much praise for it. Nobody's really talking about these triple-doubles, him getting 100, and so on and so forth, because we've seen Westbrook do it. For four seasons, three to four seasons in a row, Westbrook averaged a triple-double. And y'all told us the triple-double triple double didn't mean shit because Westbrook was doing it all the time. So y'all can't be back and forth with this shit, bro. Y'all can't say it means something for this person and it doesn't mean something to this person. And y'all used to say that Westbrook was stat padding when he was averaging triple-doubles. So y'all yep. got to keep that same energy when that nigga Jokic is getting the same shit too because both of them were valuable to their teams. All of their stats were valuable. When Westbrook was the one-man show in OKC in 2016-17, those, those stats meant everything to that team. He had to do that for that team to even that be a true. sixth seed in the Western Conference, but people were still calling him a stat pattern. And what Jokic is doing right now, he has to he has to put up these numbers for his teams to win. None of them are stat patterns, but y'all called one a stat pattern, and y'all not get showing the same energy to the other. And that's why a lot of criticism is getting thrown on Jokic. That's why the narrative of stat pattern is getting called, uh, being thrown out there now because y'all not keeping the same energy, bro. It's that same mm-hmm. shit I talk about when I bring up the James Harden and Luka comparisons. Y'all, when y'all was having the James Harden talks back in 2017 when he was winning all them MVPs, niggas is not keeping the same energy when Luka has that same playing style. And what did they used to say about Harden when he was in Houston? They said he cannot win a championship. It was that Kobe interview that came out. Kobe said James Harden can't win a championship with that style of play. Luka has that same style of play. But what, every year, what, what do we hear? Oh, Luca! oh, they on the title contenders. Oh, they title contenders. Oh, he just needs some more help. They on the title contenders, da 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 But y'all didn't have that same, uh, uh, y'all didn't feel that same type of way about Harden. Y'all say he couldn't win a championship with that style of play. But you think Luca can when they have the same style of play? Y'all don't keep the same energy with certain shit, which has a lot of criticism thrown at the, the sports media, bro, because y'all don't keep the same energy with anything. 
Yeah, Quincy had to um open my eyes with that with that Luca point because he he used to tell me that early. He's like, bro, he plays. Yeah, bro, it was his first year. <laughs> it was his first year. And, and I didn't, I honestly didn't see it at first until like I really started watching Luca play more and more, and I'm like, okay, but it, it looks like it's more efficient. It looks like it's this, and Quincy was just like, no, bro, like even if it is more efficient. It's gonna lead to the same result of it's him not winning thing. anything. Like he could do it a little bit prettier all he wants. It's the same. And it's crazy, thing. bro, because I'm a James Harden believer. I still believe that he could have won championships in Houston, especially if Chris Paul didn't get hurt that one year. It was that, that was it was that one season where Chris Paul got hurt. That's what I'm saying. I feel like he mm-hmm. would have won a championship that year. I feel like they would have played Cleveland in the championship. They would have yep. won. So I'm not saying I wasn't on that bandwagon that Harden could win a championship. I thought he could. But y'all can't say Harden can't win a championship with his style of play, but Luka can. Because what's that joke we always uh, throw out about them overseas players? If you put an itch at the end of somebody's last name, they get all the credit, they get all this love and shit. <laughs> if it was Westbrook, uh, uh, Westbrookovich, y'all niggas would be loving this nigga. <laughs> if that nigga was Bam Adovayovic or some shit like that, y'all be loving this nigga. All the love Sabonis, Jokic, and Luka get over niggas like Westbrook, Harden, and Adebayo. Because they from overseas and they white. That's just what it is, bro. Y'all ain't calling the spade a spade when y'all y'all don't point out those two things uh in the, the differences y'all make. Do do you think that um before we get to the next point, do you think that it's because seeing white players play like this is such an anomaly to where it's like, oh my god, like we have no choice but to get excited because we're not used to seeing this style of play in this, you know, new modern era of basketball with white players, whether they're from overseas or from here. And with the game being so global, you want to kind of glorify the the game or you want to glorify these players so the game will, you know what I'm saying, grow yep. even more and more fans will be like, oh, damn, he's from my country and he's doing this in the NBA. Maybe I can do the same thing. So the, I think the NBA does that with their overseas players sometimes. I think the last five years we've gotten – all overseas MVPs or last four years? Because I think Giannis won Giannis, once, and then it Giannis, was Jokic I mean, twice. Jokic got two. Yeah, and then Giannis won, I think, the year before uh, Jokic did. So that's three years, I think. Probably going to be four years in a row. Who was, who was the fourth one? I think that was... Well, not the fourth person, but who was the fourth MVP? Um, Jokic got two. Giannis got one. Damn, who was the other one? Ooh. Damn, that's a good question. Damn, well, hold on. Let me look that up real quick. Who was the fourth one? Because that one, but, that one, Steph, was it? No, Steph didn't win. Nah, I don't that. think so. No, no, no. But while you looking that up, while you looking that up, I do think it's, um, it is an interesting topic of how, like, because think back with, uh, with White Chocolate for the Sacramento Kings. It was like, yeah, he was playing crazy. Like, he was doing some great things. Great ball handler. Uh, great, um, decision maker. Oh, but yeah. So, was it? So with the with the overseas point, Giannis won back to back MVPs and Jokic won back to back MVPs. And then the year before they won, Harden ended up winning in 2017. So yeah, overseas players have won the past four years. So possibly the past five, because one of those two niggas I think is gonna win MVP this year. So they just want yeah, to blame the globalize. I, I think it's um it's everything you said about wanting them to have the game globalized. And also it's just a thing of when we see and it's no diss to the white players because, hey, if you could hoop, you could hoop. But when we see you do things that black players do, when we see you have the finesse style, when we see you have the handles, you know, the just the, the layup packages that 
we kind of escalated in the game of basketball is just a little bit more awe-inspiring because it's like, damn, like, white boys out here cooking too? Like, I'm sure that's how it was back in the day when Larry Bird was playing. Because Larry said, look, like, I'm I'm going out here um, to the blacktop where the black dudes play at so I can up my game so that way when I get to the league, I'll be like that for real. Like, and, he used and to say that all the time in interviews. So No, for sure. And it's the, it's the point that all of their games are so off-kilter to what you normally mm-hmm. see in the NBA. Like, Jokic's game isn't like really anybody else's you see in the NBA. Like, nobody really got that finesse type of style. Even somebody like Embiid, even though Embiid is somebody that bangs, and be like to face up and be like to take pull ups, you know what I'm saying? But like Jokic really out here banging, playmaking in the the post from the pinch post from the low post. We really don't see that type of play style anymore in the NBA. I mean, look at Luca's play style. Even though we can we can call it similar to Harden's, like not too many players have that aura where they can control in the whole, a whole entire offense and they can be one of the best offenses in the NBA. Somebody like Giannis, I mean, seven foot can do everything that he can do. Defensive player of the year so many years. It's not too many players built like these overseas players or have these type of games like these overseas players as well. So I definitely don't want to discredit them for what they have been doing. But it's definitely something that has to be talked about when y'all don't keep the same energy for them. than like you do like somebody from America or a black player, for example. Yeah, I, I think Jokic is one of them few players where his game can translate through different eras. I think if you put Jokic in the 80s or the 90s, I think he's still getting buckets the way he does now because they, they uploaded – did you see the picture of his arms where he got all mm-hmm. the bruises and scratches all over his arms? So this man is clearly getting fouled and getting scratched and getting pulled and getting hit every time he touches the ball. And, you know, the old heads always love to say, like, these players are so soft now and whatnot. But just like, no, I think Jokic, Giannis, and Embiid, if you were to drop all three of them in the 80s or the 90s or, hell, even the 70s, I think they could still get buckets. I think their game translates through different eras seamlessly, honestly. So. Yep. Yep, 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 I agree. Moving on to the next NBA topic, we got will the 76ers, or, or is this the 76ers' best chance to win the Eastern Conference? So, obviously, currently the, the 76ers are third in the Eastern Conference. They've been having a pretty good season, and B is in the MVP uh, conversation, as always. But I'm starting to hear a lot of people talk about the 76ers. They're like the, the fancy pick that nobody really is looking out for, but they can be the dark horse team that ends up winning the Eastern Conference. Do you think this is their best year to get there? And why? I I think this is their best year to get there. One, because in the East, they've had some of the best stretches since January. So they've been one of the most consistent teams in the East. I think the last 20 games they've had, they've won 16 out of their last 20. Yeah, their mm-hmm. last 10, they've been they were 6 out of 10. But over a 20-game period from January to now, um, yeah, it's, it's been about a 16-game uh, consecutive win streak. So I think they have the consistency. They have the health. A uh, majority of the, the roster is healthy right now. Uh, Embiid and Harden are clicking. They're one of the top three or four defensive teams in the league. They, they don't score a lot, and they win close games. But I think that works to their advantage because of the fact they're so defensive right now. So I love them defensively. I love the fact that they can win ugly close games. And I love the fact that they can stay consistent and healthy. And I think if the playoffs were to start today, they're the three seed, so they play the six seed, which is the Nets. 
I think they get the easiest first round. And then if you go to the second round, I think the second round would be the hardest round for them because I believe you would play the Boston or – Yeah, you would play the Celtics because I'm assuming the Celtics is going to win their first round. So if you knock the Celtics off after a cake first round against the um, Brooklyn Nets, who is stopping Philly at that point? I think Philly got it in the bag. I think they would have the easiest – Roll to the finals out of the top three to four teams. Well, uh, let, 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 let's let's put a pause to that. Nothing is easy for a Doc Rivers coach team. That's that, that's that the first that, that is true. Doc, I give Doc that. Rivers, I Doc give Rivers that. is still coaching this team at the end of the day, and we know that nigga is born to fold at the end of the day. So let's put a pause on that right here. This is honestly why I think the media is starting to build up this Embiid point because they're building the 76ers up to tear them down. It is pressure on the 76ers to win this year. Because Embiid is starting to get antsy, bro. Even though they keep bringing in talent that play next to him, like we've seen Ben Simmons come and go. We see Harden as a free agent after this year, potentially, if he opts out of his contract. Embiid is getting antsy, bro. Embiid wants to win. Even though Embiid is all about the process, Philly loves him. He wants to win. You can see he's hungry for it, bro. If we see them lose in the first round this year, because I really believe, if the Heat see the Sixers in the first round, I truly believe the Heat would win. That's the only first-round matchup I think the Heat would win. If the Heat play anybody else, I don't think the Heat get past the first round. But it's something about the Heat against the 76ers, and it's something about Spo versus Doc Rivers, where it's just a complete coasting mismatch, where I have to take the Heat in that matchup. If they were to lose in the first round, Embiid would request a trade, bro. It's been too many years that has gone by where Embiid wants to win. Jimmy, he loves Jimmy Butler. I don't know if he will come to the Heat, but he will request a trade somewhere because he wants to win, bro. Even though Philly loves him, it's been enough time. He's been, when, when did he come into the league? 2012? Because he came in uh, with Andrew Wiggins. So that was 2013. Yeah, that so was been like, eight what, years. 11 years ago? Wait, it was about, yeah. No, that was eight. You said 2012? 20, 2013. Because he came in with Wiggins. Oh, 10 years ago. 10 years so ago. he came in 10 years ago. Damn. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a long-ass time to be in the league. We yep. talk about Dame being loyal. We talk about Bradley Beal being loyal. I don't think Embiid is really that loyal type who's going to stick with you through, you know what I'm saying, the rough years where y'all trying to get uphill. I think Embiid is one of the ones that'll jump ship if he can get a, a quicker way to the championship. So I think that is why it's a lot of pressure on the 76ers to win, bro. Harden is a free agent. The rest of the team is kind of whatever, starting to get older. Tobias Harris is going to be a free agent pretty soon. Everything is going to be up for the 76ers come next, uh, the end of this season. And Embiid's future could be up in the air. And I think if they lose in the first round, even if they lose in the second, it's going to be a question. I don't think he leaves if they get to the second round. But if they lose in the first round to somebody like the Heat, I think Embiid is asking out, bro. He's asking out. He's going to be the one disgruntled star. But I think that's the thing. And I, I think we both have the same mindset on it. I think it's I think they could possibly have the easiest road to the finals. And you think you technically think they have the most inexcusable road to the finals, which is technically the same thing at that point. Because like you said, there should be no reason that they one lose to the damn Nets if they were to play the Nets. Or mm-hmm. two they they are the better team than the Heat. It's just, yes, when it comes to coach versus coach, we know Spo going to outdo um, Doc Rivers at least 95% of the time. So I think 
it's just going to come to a factor of who can step up, who could be that X factor. Does Tyrese Maxey have to take a step up? Does Harden have to up his game even more than what he's doing? Does Tobias Harris have to be the one? Who would have to be the X factor to push Philly, you know, to that finals run? It would have to be Maxey, bro. I said that coming into the season, I think Maxey is the X factor for the team. I think they will go as far as Maxey goes. I think you already know what you're going to get out of Embiid. Embiid is going to show up every game. And mm-hmm. even though we know what Harden has given us this year, I think Maxi is the differentiator. Because I think at this point, we know we're going to get out of Harden at this point, too. 20 and 10. But we're not going to get that X level of Harden that we got in 2017. I don't think we're going to get but that But would Harden you ask any- him for that? If you're Doc Rivers, would you I don't ask think him he's. Ca- I don't think he's capable of that, is my point anymore. I don't think he's capable of that Harden where you putting the whole team on his back. I don't think he's capable of that. But... I think Maxi is the one that separates uh, Philly from everybody else in the Western or from the Eastern Conference, bro. That third star lifts them to another level. He has to I find agree. consistency in that role. Currently, he's trying to find footing with this six-man role or whatever that they just put him in uh, in the middle of the season. But I think when he's going, the 76ers are a different team, bro. And they mm-hmm. have to find a way how find a way to get all three of their stars going in Maxi, Harden, and Embiid. When they're all three of them is going, it's hard to stop, bro. Because Harden, I mean, Maxi really feeds off Embiid. They play better together. And mm-hmm. you know what Embiid is going to give you on the floor every night. They just are never all on at the same time. And it's the weirdest shit. That's why Doc ended up moving Maxi to the bench because they never could get right. But if they were to get right, Maxi was going to be the one that lifts them over over everybody else in the Eastern Conference. Though. So but over I, this, um, so over this last month, would you try to you know experiment with that? If you Dot Rivers, are you throwing Maxi into the starting lineup a little bit more, or are you giving him and Embiid more minutes together during this final twenty game stretch? Oh yeah. Or are you really worried about seeding at this point if you're the Seventy Sixers? I think you got to experiment with what you're going to see mostly in the playoffs. And in the playoffs, Maxi will be playing with Embiid and with Harden, bro. And I think that's what you got to play. You got to, you have to make that lineup gel together and find out what makes that lineup tick. What's the best offense mm-hmm. to get this lineup going, bro? Like if you if that doesn't work out, the Sixers are going nowhere. The Sixers are beating the Celtics. The Sixers aren't beating the Bucks if you niggas are not all clicking at the same time. It's not even possible, bro. It's not possible. All three have to be going at the same time, bro. And that's why it's hard for me to see the Sixers going anywhere uh, other than the second round. It's hard for me to go any further than that. Yeah, I I can't argue with what you're saying. I think they got a chance just because of what they've been consistently doing so far over the last month and a half. But like you said, when it comes to playoff time, Doc Rivers, that's the biggest question mark, I think, for the 76ers, like you said. Uh, I ain't worried about Harden. I ain't worried about Embiid. I ain't worried about Maxi. I'm not worried about the team overall. But when it comes to scheming, when it comes to play design, when it comes to outscoring your opponent in um in shrewd ways, I think that's where the 76ers are gonna have to get over the hump over this mm-hmm. next 20 game stretch. Why you like you said, why they need to experiment. Um, so I think if they can do that. I'll stick with my point because I, I picked the 76ers to get to the finals anyway at the beginning of the season. But I think right now they've proven that they can, but will they? That's the mm. thing. Same same thing with the um Nuggets. And we'll we'll get into the contenders and the pretenders in just a second. But that's the same question with the Nuggets that we can get into. 
the Nuggets look like they can. They've been looking like they can for the past couple years, but mm-hmm. will they? So let's go ahead and do the contenders and pretenders since we done. Yeah. And honestly, before that. before we dive into that shit, though, bro, seeing that nigga KD in orange and white and purple <laughs> is some of the wildest shit I've ever seen in my life, dog. It's crazy, bro. He be in some wild colors. I never thought he would be in that. Just seeing him in a son's jersey was crazy today. And, and this is what I really wanted to ask you, bro. Because currently he has 23 points and five rebounds in 24 minutes. He played against the Hornets, so it's whatever. But have we mm-hmm. ever seen somebody just come off of injury, no rust, and just come back every year with like KD? Like he just jumped right back into action, and it's like it's the same player that left when he, you know, say he picks up right where he left off. It's crazy. But this is another thing I wanted to ask you. This is another thing. Is there any other player that can really get dropped on any other team and just fit so seamlessly, bro? Like, you don't have to do a lot when you talk about building around KD, when you talk about building an offense around him, because he can play with the ball in his hands. He can play without the ball. He can cut to the basket. He can spot up. Is there any other player in the league who you could just drop on any team in the league and he improves it? It's no real, it's no real time to jail. It's, no, it's not really necessary when you have the type of player who can fit into any scheme. Uh, We talking about superstars or we just talking about yeah, all superstars. Star, like if, star if somebody wants player. to get traded and to get traded to a team, the next mm. day they're just gelling seamlessly with the team, bro. Dang. I'm not just talking about this game because they're playing the Hornets, but still, I still think it's gonna work because KD just fits wherever, bro. He fit with the uh, Clay and Steph and all them boys over there. He fits seamlessly no matter what team you drop him on. It's crazy as hell. I think if you would have um drop Dame, Damian Lillard on any team in the league, he's playing the same way that he plays in Portland. He's going to get just as many buckets. He's going to be just as efficient on the offensive end. I, I think you could drop Damian Lillard on any team, and he's going to be the same player every time. But is Dame used to playing without the rock in his hands, though, is my question, though, dog. I think so. Because if, so. if you were to trade – if you were to trade – Dame to a Los Angeles, for example, where you got Braun, you got you got AD who need his touches. It's like, damn, he has oh, yeah, adjust- going crazy. Yeah, he has an adjustment period that he has to go through because he's not gonna have the ball in his hands like he's used to having. Like his first ten years in the league, he's had the ball in his hands consistently, bro, as the main playmaker. Now you playing with somebody like Braun. Yes, will Dame still go off most definitely, but will it be seamless? That's more so what I'm asking you about KD. KD uh, can get dropped okay. on any team, and it's seamless. And literally can, the first game, he's That's what I'm saying, because he, he can play okay. on the ball. He can play off the ball. He can let Booker shine, and I can still shoot the catch and uh, shoot three in the corner. It's so many ways KD can get his buckets. Damn, it's not the same way. I Damn, I can't even count on in my head how many times I've honestly seen Dame truly off ball, like in a corner. Maybe when CJ was going off back in the I'm about to say when CJ like they they went back and forth when CJ was there because CJ was he was a dominant enough number two to where Dame didn't have to have the ball in his hands so much. But Mm -hmm. that was the only time. That was the only time. But still, it was still Dame was the guy who had it most of the time. It was mostly Mm -hmm. CJ in the corner. And it's like when Dame out out of the game, it's like, yeah, CJ get his touches then. Rarely do you see Dame in a corner, bro. But Kevin Durant can just fit on any team seamlessly, bro. You trade him to the Heat. And you playing with uh, somebody like uh, Jimmy Butler, who in the clutch down, that boy want the rock. 
Shit, KD can get the rock in his hands, can get loose, he gets spotted up in the corner. Like, I don't think any other superstar is that seamless of a fit on any team in the league. And it's crazy that KD has that type of play style. And I think that goes to the reason of why you, I, and a lot of other people, we got KD as the greatest scorer ever. I don't know if any of y'all listening ever heard us say this before, but I know it's Jordan out there. I know you got Curry. I know you got Ray Allen. You got Braun. You got Kobe. You got all these other people. Kevin Durant, with every point that Quincy just made on top of several other points, Kevin Durant is the greatest scorer we have ever seen. I see people getting on him recently because have you noticed Kevin Durant does not have a 60 point game in his entire career? He's oh, never yeah, I dropped you told me that. Yeah, I remember you told me that. Like yeah. that that's crazy, but even without having something like that, I do agree he is the greatest scorer we've ever seen because like Quincy said, you could drop him on any team at any point and his first game when he plays, you got to worry about this man dropping 30 to 35 every single time. It doesn't matter what team he's on. It doesn't matter how many weeks he's missed. He can miss 10 weeks. First game back, he damn near dropping 40. It don't matter who he playing. He, he can stand crazy. in the corner. He could be the main ball handler. It doesn't matter. And I agree with Quincy. I don't think we've ever seen someone like this before because we've seen plenty of seven-foot ball handlers over the last six to seven years, but nothing like Kevin Durant. When Benyama is the closest thing we are probably going to see to KD, and even when Wimbin Yama is like, he's still not as quick as KD. Mm -hmm. Granted, he's still young as hell. He's still young as hell, so he can get there. But KD is just a different arsenal, bro. He He's just different. So I, I totally agree. I, I thought Dame was a good answer. But as far as seamless, you, you got it with KD. And I think, I honestly think the closest person to it would be Steph. Steph would probably mm. be the closest to a seamless fit. I think there will still be a little bit of an adjustment period because of the system that is completely built around him in Golden State. I was about State. to say, his, his system is different than His everything system is else. different than anybody else's in the league. That's why I really couldn't say it's Steph because he's not going to have that same system everywhere he goes. Like you That pick and roll is great. They're pick and rolling yeah. like literally every like 30 seconds. Like mm -hmm. I don't know any other team that is doing Exactly. That. So he has to go through an adjustment period. That's why I say KD is really the only person, bro, that I can truly think of is like, damn, he can drop on any team. He's that he's the same player. Bro. Kyrie? He's effective. Kyrie? Is Kyrie getting Kyrie get the bucket every team he goes <laughs> <laughs> Every game you play. Kyrie getting a bucket every game he plays. He could miss five weeks. That man could be a civil rights activist for five weeks. First game back, that man damn near dropping 30. <laughs> mm, Nobody going to get it. Nobody going to give Kyrie his flowers, but Kyrie is like that. He's seamless. Kyrie, Kyrie is, is like that. Kyrie can Kyrie can do so many things on the court. I've I've said it multiple times. I think he's the one of the most skilled pa basketball players we have ever seen in this league, bro. Ever, ever most skilled that can do everything on the court offensively. Come on, bro. So I don't disagree with you, bro. Kyrie probably is top three in that conversation in terms of seamless fits, bro. I I, got, I agree with that one. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. But let's move on to contenders and pretenders moving on to the uh, East and West, man. Who you got? So for the let's do the East first. Uh, who's a good choice? The Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers, contenders or pretenders? 
pretenders, man. I still got to see a lot from the Cavaliers team. It's still some teams that I honestly would take over the Cavs, man. I think mm. the Knicks are probably a scarier team to me than oh. the Cavs, truthfully. I, th- I think the Knicks are a scarier team. Defensively, what the Knicks are doing, nobody is talking about the defense that they're, they're putting on the teams mm-hmm. now. They're not letting teams reach triple digits, bro. Like, yep. and this is what I talked about a couple of weeks ago after that Josh Hart trade. I said the Knicks are one of the scariest teams because they're not letting anybody score defensively. They are just suffocating. Grimes, Hart, Barrett. I mean, everybody is suffocating you on the court. Even though Brunson isn't a good defender, he's been average this year. He's not getting beat up like he was in Dallas the past few years. That's a tough defensive-minded team that has some bucket getters to go alongside that. I'm telling you, I will probably put the Knicks above the Cavs in terms of like contenders. For sure, I'll put the Knicks at like probably top four in the East. I'll probably say um the Cavs are contenders. I'll go with, I'll go with contenders this year. Um, I think even though there's better teams, I think the size that they have, I think the um the clutch play that they have, the superstar that they got in Donovan Mitchell, I think the Cavs are a contender to at least get to the finals. I don't know about winning, but I, I got them as contenders for sure. The Cavs are I ain't mad cute. at that Knicks point, though. The Cavs are a cute team, bro, but they not serious, though. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm. I might have to see another year with them. They starting to feel like the – I don't want to say they feeling like the Jazz because I think they're a better team than the Jazz, but it's starting to give me that vibe of, like, y'all there, y'all top four, like, y'all around, you know what I'm saying, in terms of the regular season. But I'm not scared of y'all come playoff time. Like, I'm, I'm but but the not. Jazz were different. The Jazz were different, bro, because the Jazz were literally the number one seed, like, multiple years. But I'm saying, like, but I'm saying, but it was a lot of years where they were, like, the fourth, fourth or fifth seed, and a lot of people was like, oh, they could they could potentially upset the one seed, da-da-da-da, but every year they let you down, and it's like, that's okay, the- that's this is the Jazz at the end of the day. They still got some <laughs> growing to do. You know what I'm saying? It feels like the Cavs still got some growing to do. Like, I still want to see some growth out of Evan Mobley, truthfully, bro. I think defensively, he's still a high-level player defensively. So don't get me wrong. I understand that Evan Mobley has still been improving this year. But I think he has to show me more offensively for me to truly be scared of the Cavs, bro. I'm just not scared of him right now. I'm truly not. Uh, I'm going to go to the West. So we're going to do East, West, East, West. So from the West, I want to pick... The Golden State Warriors, contenders or pretenders? Pretenders, bro. I seen the Warriors play a couple of nights ago. I seen them play the... I think I seen them play the Blazers. I watched that game. Mm-hmm. But no stuff, so it wasn't no big deal. But they were up by... They were down by 20-something, and they ended up they coming back. back. It's so mm-hmm. crazy how dynamic that team is, even when Steph isn't playing, because that system is still so in place, and the dynamic playmakers they have... But this year, it just feels like it's not their year, like in terms of health. It's so many other factors outside of the team that they have that will be holding them back this year. If everybody can be healthy for this upcoming playoff run, maybe I change my tune. But it just feels like the, this isn't the Warriors year. Currently, I think they're what, sitting at 10th in the, the Western mm-hmm. Conference right now. It's like... Uh, no, they're fifth. they fifth. Whoa, they're top five they're right fifth? now. Yep. Oh, right I guess everybody's like one game apart, so I guess they slid up the radar. Yep. Damn. Mm-hmm. Still, man, I, I feel I, like everything. I is agree with you. I, I think the Warriors are pretenders this year, like you said. Um, the health concerns with Steph. Uh, I just don't trust the young guys this year. Like they they showed up a lot last year. Like Poole has been on and off 
a lot this year. Kuminga hasn't jumped out crazy to me this and year. And I thought way more of their young guys would have been jumping. I thought to the they would have stepped up a lot like, more. Like Moody, I thought would have played a way bigger mm-hmm. role this season. I, I Kuminga yep. has been playing a big role this season, but it's like a lot of undrafted guys, not undrafted guys, but like DiVincenzo's, Lambs, mm-hmm. like more of those players are starting to become role players now than like the Moody's to me. And that shit is like <laughs> crazy because I thought like Moody, Kamingo, Wiseman before he got traded was going to be the young core. And it's like they're not fully implementing it. And that shit kind of crazy. And do you think the Warriors dynasty is coming to an end? Do you think like it's over basically? After that last chip, do you think the dynasty is over? If the rumors are true and they trade Draymond, yes, it's over. Yes. You think if they'll they, trade Draymond before they trade Clay? You'll get way more for yeah. Clay. But I'm saying after everything that Draymond did, punching pool, I think they're still like, and he mm. wants a new contract as That's well true. this year That's that true. Golden State does not want to give him. So I think he's on the trade block after this season. If they trade, if they trade Draymond, it's, it's a wrap, bro. I think if they keep Draymond, it's still one more year left in the tank. It's one more year left in the tank. Mm. But it's not many after that. But I think next year they could potentially be there, though. Potentially, if Draymond stays. Uh, Next one, next one. Going back to the East. Uh, This is so funny to me because literally outside of the top three teams, the East is <laughs> the East is locked. I, I wouldn't even talk about I wouldn't even talk about the rest of the East, bro. Like the Heat, but, um, the, the, the Hawks, them niggas trash. But I'll keep it in the West for the rest of this. Uh the Clippers, contenders or pretenders? Man, I seen the Clippers play last night against them Timberwolves. They got their ass dusted. Anthony Edwards dogged their ass last night. The Clippers are an unserious franchise, bro. It don't matter how many playmakers they get. And they ended up getting a good haul at the, the trade deadline. So I'm thinking, oh, they finna have a run. They got Westbrook now. They got Eric Gordon. I'm like, these niggas is picking up good pieces. And they and not get, they not happen. clicking? You niggas can't beat the Timberwolves without towns? Come on, man. <laughs> I don't think, and it's the thing of, it's the thing that I really think is holding them back of their stars haven't played enough games together, bro. They keep with all that low management shit because they trying to get Kawhi, trying to save Kawhi to the playoffs, but y'all ain't got enough chemistry together. So it's still at this point in the season where they're taking turns now. It honestly should be, uh, especially this deep into the season, y'all should be having an offense surrounded uh, or revolving around those two playmakers. And it's not. It's really just pick and roll for one of the two guards or one of the two players between Kawhi and PG. Other The other one stands in the corner. There should be a revolving offense around them, and it's not, bro. It's not. They have a good team, but they don't have an offense around these niggas, and that shit blows me because they don't have not jail. They have not jail. Yeah, man, I, I think they're pretenders going with everything you said. I think the Clippers have not proven anything to us up until this point. So why try to believe now? The one time that they did get to the conference finals, got their ass sit home in embarrassing fashion, I might add. Uh, So I say pretenders. Is- I, I just think the load management is too much, and I just don't think they, they stack up against the other two to three best teams in the West. And this is why I look at the stars and say there is no excuse even though you can be high on the Nuggets if you want to. I was high on the Nuggets before the Suns traded for KD. But even if you like the Nuggets and all these other up-and-coming team, the Grizzlies, some people like them, even if you like the Warriors to still have a shot of making the finals, it's like, damn. You, you question every other team 
in the Western Conference, dog. And the Suns, who are the number one seed in the Western Conference, just got a top three player in the NBA. Like, who competes with that? It was like it was it was already like a you know what I'm saying? It was a toss-up before he got traded. And now KD gets traded to the Suns, and it's like, oh, this shit is a wrap for me. That's why everybody keeps having this conversation of like, oh, I don't know if the Suns have enough depth. I don't know if the Suns have enough this and that. Bro, fuck all that bullshit. The Suns <laughs> are going to be in the finals, bro. They got you KD, niggas, bro. Yeah, they got bro. KD. You niggas can go back and forth about who's going to make the finals in the West, but I promise <laughs> you, I can, I'll bet my bottom dollar is going to be the goddamn Suns. I got too many questions about all these other teams in the Western Conference. One thing I know for sure, if that nigga Kevin Durant is healthy, oh, them niggas finna be in the damn finals for sure. They finna be in the finals. That's no question. What are we saying if they don't? What are, what are we saying if they don't get to the finals? So Who got saying? the most pressure? They're the number one and number two players on my list last week was Kevin Durant and Chris Paul. Because you cannot fold this, bro. With the West being in shambles like this, you don't know what you're going to get from any of these teams. And you niggas, the supreme talented team, you didn't have to give up Aiden in that trade. Oh, it's going to be hell for you niggas. Chris Paul, you better not come outside after this shit. Kevin Durant gonna be okay because that nigga always slithers his way by. That boy CP3 gonna be on the damn. Yeah, he's gonna Chris be on Paul, the banana boat. You need to be on a cruise. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he need to be on a cruise for sure. And don't come back. Don't come back, nigga. If you lose this shit, nigga, you're done. You're cooked. That boy cooked. gonna be on the banana boat. Yeah, it, it's it's no reason that the Suns should not make the finals, bro. It's too many questions about all these other teams, bro. It's too many. And I'm gonna do one more. Uh, hmm. Damn. I'm going to do the Nuggets. The Nuggets. Contenders or pretenders? I know they're the number one seed. I know they got the MVP right now. But are they really contenders? The Nuggets are contenders, bro. They are the they are the team, other than the Suns, that I am the most confident in, bro. Because mm. I, I know what Jamal Murray is capable of, and I've seen what Jamal Murray has done this season, and it shows me that he is back to playoff Murray. When the playoffs roll around, it's crazy because he's already showing that he's he's going to be playoff Murray, but nobody's talking about him. He always does this. He be cooling out in the regular season. He has his big games here and there, but in the playoffs, that nigga takes it to another level. He's going to do that shit again this year. I think it will be Suns versus Nuggets conference finals. I think that mm-hmm. will be it. If, 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 if they do not see Golden State, speaking of the Nuggets, Cause that is their kryptonite. If they see Golden State in any of these rounds going into the, the the conference finals, I think that could be their kryptonite because that system always kills them. Even with Jamal Murray playing at the MVP level, but if they find a way to avoid Golden State, I think they end up getting to the conference finals at least. I think they get to the conference mm. finals if they avoid the Warriors. I, I think they're contenders. Uh, I got the Suns favored over them, but they, they have no reason to not be the second best team to get there at this point. So I, I agree with everything you said. They're contenders. Definitely contenders, bro. Definitely contenders. And moving on to... What are we moving on to? We got a college football rest warrant, man. You can go ahead with that. Yeah, so I, I thought we should talk about this because, um, you know, we usually see major headlines like this with the NFL, but with college football recently, an arrest warrant has been issued for ex-Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter for his alleged role in a car crash that killed teammate Devin Willick, Devin Willick, excuse me, and recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix back in January. 
The athens Clark County Police Department announced Wednesday that Carter will be charged with reckless driving and racing based on um, the uh, report from The Athletic by Seth Emerson. So the investigation concluded that alcohol and alcohol impairment, racing, reckless driving, and speed were significant contributions to the crash. He's attending the NFL scouting combine, but he's not participating in the workouts. So I thought this was interesting because it's like, damn, bro, like they were racing. Like, it's not like he was just, you know, driving with him in the car. He was racing the other dude. So I forgot which one was actually in the car with him. I think the the um, recruiting staffer. Was, staff, yeah, the, was the staffer was in the car with him. And mm-hmm. the uh, the other player was driving the other car. So he's getting charged with both um, deaths, which I, I thought was very interesting. Oh, but he getting misdemeanors, though. Okay. He ain't getting charged. Yeah, I, I don't. Okay. I don't know what the charge. Um, I don't know what degree the charge is, but reckless driving and and racing. So and yeah, alcohol I don't know. impairment. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna be like a misdemeanor or if that's gonna be federal. I don't know yeah. because they're resulting in people dying. So I think mm-hmm. that's why I don't. I don't know what they're gonna rank them. Mm. I don't know. This is an interesting conversation though, bro, because. Does this affect his draft stock at the end of the day? And honestly, it's crazy how he moved on and he really never spoke about this situation. Like, he didn't say, like, yeah. damn, I was racing this nigga. Like, this shit really came out, like, a couple of months after the death of mm-hmm. his teammates. Like, nobody really knew that he was a part of the situation, that he was racing them and shit like that. So it's crazy that yep. this is was swept under the rug for two months, first of all. But a second after that, definitely R.I.P. to the staffer and to the, uh, the Georgia football player before we move on. Definitely want to give my condolences. But how does this affect his draft stock moving forward? Because this is this could be a question about his maturity at this point. Mm-hmm. You, you, are, you are driving while uh, alcoholically impaired. You are racing and led in somebody's death. Like All of that adds up, and that becomes bigger questions for the NFL draft. And he was like one of the top two players – in like college football this past year, like he was the clear number one pick for a lot of people. So does mm-hmm. he fall because of this situation? Because it shows. Oh yeah, I, I think so. Ball. Yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, I don't know how far he'll fall, but I I don't see him being the number one slated pick anymore at this point. Because I don't even are, are you gonna have to do time for this? Like because remember with Henry Ruggs, like his drunk driving, his reckless. Um, but he literally killed the dude, but he didn't he didn't kill the dude in this. He was just racing the dude. That's why I don't think these are misdemeanors. So I don't think he's going to get time, especially mm-hmm. when he's going to the league. I don't think he's going to get time for it. I think this will turn out to be like a civil type of case. I don't know. Maybe probation, uh, maybe probation, maybe. But I think it could turn civil at the end of the day. But I don't think but since he wasn't the one to actually kill the player and the staffer, I think that's why it differentiates from somebody like Henry Ruggs, who was literally affiliated with the person being killed and was the car that was crashing until the the other car that unfortunately killed the the dude in that Mm. uh, incident. So I think he'll get off still. And honestly, we've seen situations like this, not exactly like this, but we've seen similar situations like this happen before the draft or news about a certain player come out before the draft and they don't fall. Because the talent of that player is just so extreme that you don't let it slip by, even with this maturity question mark on yeah, their resume. You're, you're willing to take the risk. You're willing, you're willing to, to take, take the risk. And I'm pretty sure, I don't think he goes number one, because I think a quarterback will go number one, especially after the Bears said they're going to trade their pick. 
but I still think he's going to be a top three pick in the NFL draft. I still think so. When they have, when you have this type of talent, bro, you just get away with a lot of shit. I'm sorry, but you do, dog. You do. Well, if you got that talent and you're going to be making millions in the NFL, no matter what the maturity maturity questions are, you get that type of you get that type of pool. You get that type of you know what I'm saying leniency. So it was that same way with uh Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield did all that dumb shit yep. in college, but he was still the number mm-hmm. one pick. So it's the same type of way. Yeah, I damn, that's a good point. I forgot about all that Baker Mayfield stuff. He was grabbing his crotch on the field. Hey, because look, was, all you need is one team. The what they always say, all, all you need is one team to believe in you and put all that, that bullshit to the side. That's all that you need. Very and true. I'm pretty sure it's multiple <laughs> teams that probably want that nigga. So yeah. Hey, for real, for real. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting topic. And I want to move on to that Dion conversation, bro, because that Dion conversation was pretty interesting. So if you do not know, Deion Sanders was on the Rich Eisen show uh, this past week and had some interesting comments about players he recruits and such. Quarterbacks are different. Yeah. We want mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm-hmm. We want that kid to be three, five and up because he's got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, not bad decisions off the field uh, at all mm-hmm. because he has to be a leader of men. It's so many different attributes and what we look for. Uh, physical, I mean, offensive line, but defensive line is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get it. <laughs> He's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. Like, mama barely made the flight. Quarterbacks are different. So what's your reaction to that, bro, after that? After hearing like that Dion comments? Like I said, my first reaction, I did laugh because the shit was funny. Hell, even now listening to it, it was funny. But when, if you're Dion, you have to understand the impact of what you say because a lot of people are waiting for their moment to have a, a aha, like we we knew you type of moment, like we knew who you really were type of moment. Especially and after leaving Jackson State. Yeah, yeah, it's really a bad look for sure. He gave fuel to the fire with that uh-huh. because it's like we – I think we all knew he was joking, but like I said, the subliminary shit that you can still take. I don't think he was joking. I think he said it comically, but I think he really does recruit. And it's not just him that recruits this way. A lot of coaches recruit in that same type of fashion. And this is the thing, bro, because a lot of people kept saying he didn't say race. So everybody, you keep putting a race on this thing because we we knew who he was talking about. Exactly. Because when you say these type of things, when you say, oh, two parents in the household, the stereotype is that the white person will have two parents. And most likely the white person will have two parents in the household, especially with the quarterback position. It's not going to be somebody who's black because that's really unlikely when you look at the statistics. When you look at a single parent household, when you look out free lunch and all that type of shit, that's statistically a black boy, a black man coming up in the high school ranks. That's most likely. So when you're looking at the stereotypes, that's what we're looking at. So you're talking about mostly a black person when you're talking about single mother free lunch, and you're mostly talking about a white quarterback because that's most likely where the statistics lie when you talk about two-parent household, got to have a grade, got to be a smart kid, got to have a 3-5. That sounds stereotypically like a white person. So that's that's why there were, he didn't say race, but the stereotypes that you're putting on the table is saying it for you, and it's implying the message. You know what I'm saying? So you can't really throw race to the side when it's implied like that. And like you said, you know, it's not 
it's not something that he's just doing. We know a lot of coaches like across the the country that are especially the D1s like I'm sure they have the same type of mindset. I'm sure they have the same type of recruiting tactic. But at the same time, you can't just assume that this is why I say I think he was joking, even if there was some type of truth to it. Because like J. Cole said, all good jokes contain true shit. So I'm not I don't think that he was just totally joking. I think there was some underlying truth. But you mean to tell me if you have a quarterback that is superb in his division, in his state, that has the grades and whatnot, if he doesn't have a two-parent household and he got a little, you know, maturity issues, you mean to tell me that's going to stop you from recruiting him? If he got the grades and he got the performance? Like, it, so that's where it's like you, you're you kind of saying you wouldn't choose certain players in situations. And isn't his, son, a, isn't his son raised up in a single-parent household? So you high key putting yes. your you high key putting your son under the bus of like you he doesn't even fit the criteria of what you look for in a quarterback. But but that's why I say like I that's why I say I think he's he's just joking. But you can't joke with certain shit. Certain shit you just can't do because the optics of how people are looking at you and the way we'll think that you're thinking and the impression that you're giving us is you really think this way. So and like I said, you already got a target on your back from the situation you was in with Jackson State anyway. Just don't add more fuel to the fire. He has a lot of black players coming to Colorado. So he's quote unquote safe for now because it's like, hey, we see you are really getting on young black men to come here and you're letting it be the majority in this football room. But Mm -hmm. don't let it be a situation where you do start getting stereotypical positions going and whatnot, because then we're going to go back to that clip every because single time. Because this is why I brought up his son, because even though his son doesn't fit his criteria, it's his son. So you're going to give your son that opportunity no matter what else. Oh, yeah, it's, ne- it's nepotism. That's the thing I say. That's still your son, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's your son. Hey, create the opportunities for him. But I'm saying after your son leaves, we're going to start looking at, okay, who are the type of players that he's recruiting at this position at? Your son's gone, so that that stereotype is out of the window. So where are you going to go? Who are you looking for now? Like you said, if there is a quarterback who doesn't have the grades, but he has the talent, and he's in a single, he's as a single parent household, he got probably like a 3.0, maybe 2.8. You ain't going to look at him, Deion. You ain't going to look at him, even though he got the talent of somebody who got a 3.5 or something like that and didn't grow up in a two-parent household. Like, it's so much bullshit that was a, a, a part of that statement that I don't think it can fully be true. So that's why I think it is some comedy to it, but it hits too close to home for a lot of black people. And I think that's what exactly. hurts the most. And I think that's what hurt the most when it was that Jackson State shit. Like, even though so many people, including us, made the, the excuse for him of like, no, it's, it was reasons why he left. And like, he did right by Jackson State. It was still other people out there saying like, no, nah, he did us dirty. No, nah, he didn't do it the right way. This, that, the third. So it's always going to be people out there like that. But it's it's Deion Sanders. He's Like you said, he has a target on his back now where he can't just be saying anything. He has the swag that a lot of things can be just blown off because it's Deion. But mm-hmm. now you're starting to get to this rank where it's like it's not that same type of way. Bro. It's not the same yeah. type of way when you were a player. Like you're, you're, you're trying to be a respected coach now. You know what I'm saying? I feel like it's a little bit different. Yeah, that, that was a good conversation because I, I saw that clip and I 
totally thought it was just jokes and I ha ha and I kept scrolling. But the more I thought about it and the more I saw people get their opinions on it, I'm like, I can totally understand how you could look at it in a different context because we don't need to, as black people, we don't need to shoot ourselves in the foot with stuff like that and just saying the wrong thing, you know, to, to hinder ourselves from what we want people to see us as. So, Because how much you want to bet after his son leave, niggas will be looking up that next quarterback's background like crazy. Let me see if that nigga got two parents in his background. <laughs> just to hate on Dion ass. Just to hate on the shit. Whether, you, whether he does get a quarterback who has two parents or whether he gets a quarterback who came up in a single parent household, we're going to look at Dion. Oh, he was talking shit. Or, oh, he went into <laughs> the stereotype. Or, oh, he didn't listen to himself. Oh, he did. He went against the stereotype. Niggas will be on either side of this shit just to hate Dion. It's starting to get to that point with the Dion conversation, which is hilarious. You either hate him or you love him. It's only yeah, one or the other. exactly. <laughs> and moving on to Two Wild Wednesday, man. What we got for this week? So I got three polls. The first one, the Sacramento Kings will make it to the Western Conference Finals. Too wild or not too wild? Not too, not too wild, too wild, too wild, too wild. I love oh, the Kings. I rock, I rock with the Kings heavy, bro. But I think I, I think they're one of those teams that like a lower seed can easily take advantage of in a in a um in a playoff matchup, bro. Because the game slows down in the playoffs. And that's something mm -hmm. that Sacramento has not proven to me yet that they can play playoff basketball. When it's running gun and they can get up and down the floor, nobody's playing defense. They got one of the best offenses in the uh, in the NBA. But when that game slows down, bro, it's a different game, bro. And I don't think y'all got enough monsters other than Fox who can really take that bitch off the dribble and say, I'm going to get a bucket no matter who the fuck guarding me. I don't think y'all got enough dogs like that on y'all team. Y'all got a lot of shooters like Barnes, Herder, Murray that fit in the high flow system that you guys are running in the regular season that I don't think truly work when you play, talk about playoff basketball. So I think they're one of the teams that can be taken advantage of come playoff time. I agree. I say too wild. Um, remember a couple of years ago with the Knicks when they had that huge playoff burst and it was like, oh my God, like what does the Knicks do the impossible and get to um the Eastern Conference Finals and blah, blah, blah. And then the Hawks sent their ass home uh, in, in Trey fashion. Uh, so I think they'll have a season like that to where they'll be exciting. It'll be a historical thing to watch because they haven't been to the playoffs in 20 plus years at this point. Yeah. But yeah, I think they're like a flash in the pan type of thing this year to where it's like, Ooh, we should look, but not expect too much other than a couple of pops. So yeah. I say too far because obviously, honestly, they're already exceeding expectations with what they're doing. So, Losing in the first round is not the worst thing, honestly. But it's the, the but fact it's that you're teams. making the playoffs at a high seat. Exactly. Just be happy exactly. With that. exactly, brother. They're fine. They're definitely fine. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, Tampa Bay. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be back in the playoffs next season. Too wild or not too wild? Cat, Caddy. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all. I don't even know who y'all finna have playing quarterback. I was talking to my uh my godfather yesterday. He was talking about y'all ain't got no money to pay nobody and all that other shit. I was like, man, I don't know what the Bucks about to do at the quarterback position. I hear a lot of pipe dreaming from Bucks fans. I'm hearing a lot of Lamar Jackson, damn Aaron oh, Rodgers nah. shit, and it's like I told I don't people know to stop saying them two. I told people to stop saying them two names like 
damn near a month ago. We don't have enough money for them. Y'all but don't have no money, bro. <laughs> we did just let thank God. I just want to give a hand clap to God because he's so good. We done finally let go of trash ass Donovan Smith, who you could practically win a million dollars betting on to get two flags every game. So we let go of Donovan Smith. So we got some um money freed up a little bit there. We are letting go of Leonard Fournette when the um new season starts in March. Um, so that'll be another vet that we get off that we don't got to worry about paying too much money for. And I think we'll have a couple more names that we have to end up trading or, you know, Monte um, David leaving. Go. That's a lot of talent leaving y'all door though, bro. It, it is. If y'all are replacing that. But mm-hmm. I look at it. I look at it like this. I think we should either one go with trash for quarterback or go with Derek Carr. I think we can still make the playoffs because of still how terrible the division is. The NFC South is, I think we have a chance. We can be just above 509 and eight next season and still damn near make the playoffs. So I don't think it's out of reach how much success we'll have. If we make it, that's another debate for another day. But I say, but this is, this is my question, bro. If, if Brady looked like that in y'all offense last year, what the hell is Trash going to look like in a similar type of offense with those same playmakers on the team? Like, are we expecting an upgrade from Trash? Like, what, what are we expecting? If but, y'all was just struggling like that with Brady, what O-line, are we looking at? The O-line will be healthier again. At the beginning of the season, the O-line will be back fully healthy. You'll have Ryan Jensen. You'll have Tristan Wirfs playing left tackle, possibly. You're not answering my question, bro. You're not answering What's my question. question? I, I just compare Tom Brady to Kyle Trask, and you come on Why now, are you nigga. Comparing it's, anybody? There, to there is a drop off there. There is a significant drop off there. It's not going to be the same. The offense will not be the same. Even though your offense was trash last year, if you're stepping a, you're taking a step down in quarterback play. How? What do you expect the offense to be next year? Because I'm, I'm not expecting spectacular quarterback play. I'm just expecting decent quarterback play with the fact that our expectations are not set that high. We have to give, in my opinion, bro, we have to give Trask a, a chance at this point. People were saying oh, he was trash during the preseason. He wasn't playing with any top receivers. Any other quarterback that gets drafted, we give them an opportunity to play with at least the first unit at least once. The only time he played with a couple of starters was the last game of the season against Atlanta, and half of the, the starters were taken out. I think Mike Evans Mike Evans didn't play, and I think Chris Godwin may have ran, like, what, one route with Kyle Trask? So I think if we at least swallow our pride and just be okay with starting a young quarterback this season, if we can't get Derek Carr, I think we should be okay with that. And I don't think our playoff hopes should be out of our mind. We can make it as long as we're better than the other three teams in the division. I don't see the other two teams being better than us. I really don't. Especially That's the Falcons. That's a good point. They, that's they, a they good have point. No quarterback. That's 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 really your best argument is that everybody else will not be good. That's really it. Because nobody really has a quarterback. Nobody in the NFC South has a quarterback. We have the best chance to get one. We have the best chance to get Derek Carr. I think out of all of us, we got the best chance we, to get the number one pick. We, We're finna be the number one pick. Let me call that shit now. Carolina will be trading up to the number one pick to draft Bryce Young. Oh, something else that I wanted to talk about this week. I don't know if y'all been keeping up with the mock drafts recently, but I seen some news talking about Anthony Richardson was sliding up the in, uh, the mock drafts recently that his odds went from 2,500 to be the number one pick 
to plus 750. He's really gaining steam to be the number one pick. Did anybody watch the games at Florida besides me and Edgar and see how trash that nigga looked? Did nobody else watch these games? Or was it just us? Because this shit is blowing my mind. All of these quote-unquote scouts out here is rising this nigga up the mock draft boards. And I'm just, it doesn't make sense to me. Did you niggas not look at the tape? It was a lot of games. This nigga was going like eight for 30. You know what I'm saying? In terms of passing. Completion percentage in this shitter. Nigga wasn't hitting any throws. Inaccurate as shit. And he's about to be a top 10 pick. And potentially a number one pick. What are we doing? This shit is blowing me, dog. This shit is blowing me. I couldn't believe it, bro. Just copy and paste everything Quincy just said in my voice. I'm not giving <laughs> I'm not giving any deeper perspective than everything he just said. I'm mad as hell we even talking about this because I saw them stupid ass mock drafts. I'll I'll let whatever team gets him. I'll let whatever team it better is, not be Carolina either. I feel like Carolina gonna do some dumb shit. It better it's not be Carolina late. either. It's too late. You already put it in the air that they're gonna have the number one pick. It's We're too late. You already one. put it in the air. Damn, I didn't say that. <laughs> you already it, put it, it better in be the Bryce air. Young, bitch. It better be Bryce Young at number one. That's all I know. It better be Bryce Young. <laughs> but yeah, that's some crazy shit, man. What you got for the next one? Uh, last one. The Big Twelve will have two teams in the Final Four this year. Too wild or not too wild. So if you look at the top Kansas. 10 to 15 right now, you got Kansas, Baylor, Texas, Kansas State, and who's the fifth one? Who's the fifth one? It was one Texas? more. I thought I said Texas. Oh, you did? Yeah, it's one more. They got five teams. West Virginia? I can't think of the other one right now. Damn. Who's the who's the fifteen? They got five in the top like fifteen at the moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, two make the final. Damn, college basketball has been tricky for me this year, man. I don't even know. I believe in Kansas. I like Kansas. That's probably the team I watch the most. I like their game. I just don't like how small their center is. I wish they had a bigger center, but I, don't, I like Kansas. Baylor oh, they got, is a, They got four. They got four in the top 15. Okay. Baylor is another team I like. I don't really believe in Texas, but Baylor is another team I like because they got good guards. LJ Cryer. You got Keontae George. Adam Flagler. They got size, but the thing about those guards, they're streaky. They're on and off when it comes to shooting. They're inconsistent when it comes to shooting. So it's like you can have a different Baylor team one night for on a night-to-night basis. But Kansas is probably the only team that I'm like, they can really probably get there. Everybody else, I'm kind of like, nah, not really. Yeah, it's up in the air with everybody else. Honestly, and I and we can give like um more accurate predictions once uh we get a little bit closer because I think we got what a week and a half left basically until March Madness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um if I had to say right now, I think Alabama got the best chance to win it all right now. Bro. Oh, this is what that's what I said. I've said that all year. Alabama has the best team I've seen this season, bro. They have one of the best players in the country. I think Jalen Wilson has been the best player this year, the Kansas star. I think he should win player of the year. But I think number two has been Brandon Miller. I think Brandon Miller has been the second best player. I think Edie is going to win the Naismith player of the year because he big or whatever, but I don't think Purdue is that good. I think the wing players and the guard players, how you win in the tournament. And I think Brandon Miller and Jalen Wilson are the top two when you talk about uh, NCAA tournament. Mm. So, yeah, I agree with that. I think Alabama's the best team. And they're probably the deepest team I've seen, too. 
they're deep. I mean, they got this one dude from Texas Tech, Burnett, who was like, he was a starter for Texas Tech last year. And now he's coming off the bench for Alabama. Like, Alabama is deep. They got Javon Quinterly. They got Mark Sears. They got a couple of young dudes. They got Clowney. They got size. They got one of the best players in the country. They have an a, a NBA player on their team. Like, it's a lot of reasons to pick Alabama, dog. It really is. But once again, I've seen them lose to Gonzaga, and Gonzaga ain't that good this year. So they can lose to anybody. Too. So do you think it's um do you think it's too wild that two Big Twelve teams will make the final four? Yeah, too wild, too wild for sure, too wild. Mm. I'll probably say Kansas. I'm the most confident in, but everybody else is too inconsistent. Yeah, I say too wild. I'm I'm not really sure what two teams could do it uh, outside of Kansas. I think Kansas has the best chance out of all Big Twelve teams. I done told y'all already. Texas been kind of letting me down over the last month, so I don't know what to make of them anymore. And I haven't even watched Kansas State for real, but I heard them making a little bit of noise. So, and uh, moving on to is Master P the new bird man? Yeah. So Jess Hilarious came out. Um, she's the what second or third person recently. Um, outside of Romeo that has come out against Master P saying that, hey, this man ain't the dude y'all think he is. He talk a good game. He say he going to put you on and do this, that, and the third. But when it's time to pay you what you've earned and when it's time to give you your just due, he act funny. He act like he don't know what you're talking about. He he thinks him putting you on was enough payment, like you don't deserve the check that you were supposed to get. So she worked with him on a movie. I don't remember what movie it was, but they worked on a movie together, and she did two scenes. She got paid for her first scene, but she was supposed to make another 15000 from the other scene she was in. She is yet to this day to see that $15,000. Master P has come out and basically tried to give a, you know, uh, a sob story speech of how, like, when you try to put people on, this will happen, blah, this blah, blah. This is the thing. And she's like, bro, give me my damn money. I don't care about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. The one... Who- way y'all started to think wrong about Master P is that he was legitimate. Bro. That nigga came up as a crooked <laughs> ass nigga in this game, bro. If he can find a way to take advantage of your ass, he will. That nigga don't give a fuck about your feelings. He'll talk his way around that bullshit if he could, bro. Y'all see all these side businesses this nigga tried to open up. This nigga don't give a fuck. <laughs> he just trying to make a quick buck. This nigga's not legitimate, man. Y'all keep thinking this nigga is real legitimate like he's Jay-Z. No. That nigga's trying <laughs> to make a quick thing. buck in the game, bro. He's it's not- always people It's always people saying Master P is the person y'all think Jay-Z is. Not no. Clearly, goddamn not. No. Clearly not. <laughs> that, nigga, that nigga Master P trying to make a quick buck off you, bro, any way he can. Did he have a label <laughs> back in the day where niggas was popping? For sure. But tell me one thing. Damn, did he do rap snacks? Rap snacks probably another thing he did. Oh, yeah, yeah he right did rap snacks. Yeah. Rap snacks was saying, but that was something else that he... snacks to this day. Rap snacks was something that he threw at the wall, and that shit just stuck. But it's probably a <laughs> hundred thousand other ideas that nigga has had over the years that just did not hit, bro. That nigga will take advantage no matter what you niggas do. That nigga will take advantage. So if he can find a way to not pay you your money, he will do that. He's a, he's a true nigga at the end of the day, bro. That nigga from Louisiana, he don't give a fuck. But something I saw somebody say in um the Instagram comments was you notice there are never really any OGs that come out and say anything against Master P. So is this something he's just doing against like the younger generations or the up and comers that he didn't do to the um to the OG people he had back when he was, you know, really into no limit 
and you know really like trying to get his feet um in the ground with becoming a multi-millionaire damn near a billionaire like is there a difference with how he treated the ogs with the regular people because i haven't heard any og people come out anytime snoop Dogg talk about master p he speaks nothing but high praises every time so mm-hmm. is it just because master p know who and who not to play with like what what is it he probably do. <laughs> he, he's been in the game long enough who he's seen a lot for himself to be like, okay, this is the nigga not to try. This girl who, <laughs> who up and coming in the game, she want 15K, fuck her ass. I'm going to move on, keep that shit in my pocket. He's a true <laughs> nigga, bro. And that's a lot of people. That's a lot of black people, honestly, bro. They know, they know when to pick and choose their battles, bro. Where it's like, I'm not going to try this nigga, but I'm going to try you just to see how you react. Oh, you mm-hmm. want a bitch on Breakfast Club? Whatever. That ain't going to affect my pockets, no. You ain't getting your 15000 <laughs> It's too late. You're not getting this money at all. So I'm going to make up any excuse to not pay you what you want, my nigga. So it is what it is. So, yeah, bro. It's, it feels like, Master P, you have to have legal documentation if you want to have your full pay from this nigga, bro. Like, unless mm. you're an OG, you got to have some documentation. That nigga ain't going to give you all your shit. That's a true nigga. <laughs> that is a true nigga, bro. Come on, bro. Y'all can't tell me what else he did other than that damn, other than that label and rap snacks. Y'all can't tell me shit. Because that nigga hey, is a hey, nigga. We, we, we can't act like No Limit wasn't one of the biggest labels ever. I've, I've, hey, shit. Hey, if all I got to bank on is No Limit and rap snacks, best believe I'm going to do it. But is that shit still rolling in the dodo? Uh, royalties, probably, yeah. Excuse me. Um, oh, another fictional character controversy. So if you guys haven't seen yet, the new Peter Pan movie trailer just dropped this week. Uh, it's set to release in late April on Disney Plus. But a lot of people are upset about the new black Tinkerbell played by Yara Shahidi. And a lot of people are upset because one we're tired of and when I say we, I'm talking about black people, we seem to be tired of these movie um, industries just putting people of color in place of white, former white actresses or actors. And also, we just want original content where we're starred in that, not to where we're the new version of something. But I had a question of, will black people ever be satisfied, bro? Because <laughs> I remember there was a time where we were asking like, a lot of us were asking the, hey, do a black version of this. Or what if this person was black instead? Like, why does this person always have to be white? And then now we're getting that. Now these movie industry people and these movie companies are doing that. And now we're like, nah, we just, we want regular ideas. We want, not regular ideas. We want original ideas. We want original content. Don't just make us the former whatever, blah, blah, blah. So will black people ever be satisfied with certain stuff like this? Uh, No. We, we never will be, right? especially if you're not giving people something spectacular and just knocking our socks off. It's always going to be somebody that's mad about the shit. And that's something that I just have to get used to. bro. It's always going to be somebody who wants to be a contrarian to what the popular belief is. I don't think everybody is upset that she's Tinkerbell. I think she is going to be a terrific Tinkerbell. I think this was honestly great casting. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people were just hating on the trailer, how she looked and certain shit like that. But I think her role and what she was cast to be in, I think it was perfect, bro. I think she works with this film. I'm not mad at this shit at all, bro. So I don't know what people are mad about, other than like the, the picture and the grading and shit like that. I ain't mad at it either. Um, one thing I will say is sometimes we 
we really don't have to have a black version of everything. Because when you think of Tinkerbell, bro, what do you picture? You picture blonde hair, blue eyes, and white, vibrant, and glowing with pixie dust and all of that. In the trailer, in the scene, um, in the screenshots that we're showing on the screen right now, it looks real dull. They didn't make her look bright at all. Like, her hair is black, not blonde, because there are blonde black people. It's not like they couldn't have did it. So I understand where certain people are upset with the aesthetic of how Tinkerbell isn't representing. But I ain't mad at it. I ain't mad at Yara Shahidi. Shout out to her for being the first black Tinkerbell on the big screen. But I think that's one like thing. This. I think that's one thing movie studios as a whole have been trying to, like, to, like, uh, what I want to say? Like, I don't know, attack. They don't want everybody to have the same type of idea of what, like, the, the character is. They want you to mm-hmm. think, like, there can be multiple versions of this one character. It's not just this one person. Like Little Mermaid right. doesn't have to be this this white girl just running right. around in the in the water. Like it can be multiple versions. Just because we've seen this cartoon don't mean this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of stuff that we're seeing in a lot of different renditions. Where you talk about Batman, you can talk about so many different cartoons. Whether you're talking about the the new Velma show that just came out, Velma's gay. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was like, wow, they made her gay. This, that, the third. I think the movie studios, these these producers of these shows are trying to knock you off of like the 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 mindset of like it has to be this one thing because it honestly does not like we're going to make you force you to think another way about certain shit and i think that's that's a good thing honestly do i think you have to force black people into every role no but i think it's good not to have just this one thought of what this person is and that's what it is like little mermaid isn't just this white blonde girl even though that's what we've seen her mostly this doesn't mean that she, this is what she is you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be this one thing. But another question I wanted to ask you uh, for this to end this topic. Will we ever get any legendary fairy tale stories ever again? Think of some of the most legendary Disney movies that you have ever seen. Like, will we get anything legendary ever again? Like 20, 30 years from now, like a movie getting brought up. Like, do you think Inside Out? will be brought up 30 years from now. Do you think Moana will be brought up 30 years from now? Like, you know, kind of like that. Because with Cinderella, Cinderella came out like 50-some years ago. But Mm -hmm. Cinderella is one of the prominent Disney characters. Like, she is the Disney princess. Lion King. Lion King came out in the early 90s. That is the gold standard, damn near, of Disney movies. Toy Story. Like, all the OG Disney stuff you can think of. Will we ever get any original stuff like that that holds the same kind of weight? Because we've gotten original stories, but will they hold that kind of weight 10, 15, 20 years down the line? Um, I think Frozen is probably one of the last ones we probably would get. I think Frozen holds weight for a long time. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, man, when I see... I, I just talked to this one lady this past weekend. Grown-ass lady. She went to see uh, Frozen on ice. And she went to go see the play for it. And she went to see it on ice. I mean, it's not just the kids that are affected by Frozen and Elsa. And, oh, oh I forgot what the snowman name was. But Olaf. it's like... Mm-hmm. Olaf. It's like it's so many people that that, that movie affected. That I think that's one of the last ones that we will get. I don't know if 
I can't I can't call what we get in the future because if somebody comes up with something as original as, as as Frozen, it's like I could see it. I could see something potentially down the line, but I don't know if black people will hold on to it because I think something that they should do again, but in a different way, is like Princess and the Frog. When you mm. talk about Princess and the Frog in the hood, that, that's the one that's black, gonna hold weight. Little black girls refer to Princess and the Frog over Cinderella because that is their Cinderella, goddamn it. Yep. You know, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So that's something where fuck this live action black people shit. If you show more black people in animation, that's where you can really get the kids, bro. I think this yep. is where the shows and the movie producers are fucking it up. Princess and the Frog gave you niggas the blueprint. And let's not forget, it wasn't like, um, what's my girl? What was my girl name for Princess and the Frog? Tatiana? Tiana. 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 So she, it wasn't like she was from some white place and she became a princess. My nigga was from Louisiana. My nigga from the bayou. It's like she came from this, you know what I'm saying, a black city. And she really made it out to become a princess. Like, that's some shit that it felt black from the beginning all the way through the movie. More people have to take that mode. Don't do the same princess shit because Princess and the Frog will always be the, the, the top tier over everything that you make princess. But do that in something else similar to it, though, in that same type of mode. Then we can talk about something else classic that I know for sure that the black community will hold on to. For sure the black community. Because I know Princess and the Frog holds that weight. Because I, I totally agree. Frozen... Frozen has gotten that caliber now to where it's like, yeah, they 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 gonna hold that kind of weight for because they're coming out with a third one. They're coming out with a third yep. move for Frozen. Yeah, that shit top tier. Uh, yeah. Moana was a very very good movie. Mm. I don't, I have I still haven't seen it yet. You ain't seen Moana. You got to see Moana. It's that's one of the movies. I heard it was a good watch. one. I heard it was good. Yeah. Watch Moana. And we'll we'll have this discussion again. Watch Moana, and let me know, Moana. Or Lilo and Stitch. I want to hear your answer after you see that movie. I want to hear. I, your I heard answer good things about that. Moana though, so I, I, yeah, it, it's I like that. Mind. That movie. I was about to say. That, I've heard good things about that shit. Yeah. Now, now I will tell you this: the content of the plot, like the plot of Moana, is way deeper than Lilo and Stitch. So I mm -hmm. will tell you that. So that that could sway your opinion on which one you may think is better. But just take the overall movie for each one. And let me know which one you think is better. I'm gonna check it out though. I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. We're gonna see what that shit hitting on. We're gonna see. All right, man. What else, man? I think this is the last thing for social media or entertainment. Oh, uh, yeah. This last one. So a white student is suing Howard University Law School for racial discrimination. Uh, he was suspended from Howard University in September 2022 for some accusations of racially harassing students, faculty, and administrators. Um, fomented racial animosity toward Newman by endor by um shit hold on towards Michael Newman by endorsing some classmates views that his comments on matters of public concern or advocacy for political and social change were insensitive offensive or racist and by endorsing the view that classmates derogatory comments regarding Caucasians and derogatory epithets were acceptable so he basically is suing the school because he felt a lot of um depression he felt a lot of um you know like he just felt oh, like he was against the, the white world dude. okay i heard about this okay yeah yeah, like he, for his pain and suffering, like uh -huh. he wants he's doing yeah. a two million dollar lawsuit against Harvard Law School. But it was him who was 
saying a lot of the derogatory racist things against Howard students. And now that they did the ultimate thing of kicking him out of the school, now he's trying to sue the school. So I thought it was interesting because if you're going to do all of this, why were you at an HBCU in the first place? Yeah. That's a, that's a good it, point because he wasn't sense. there for like no sports or no shit. That's usually the only reason you see a white kid at, <laughs> at HBCU is probably because of sports shit. They just want to continue playing. If he wasn't there for that reason, my nigga, you you went there knowing what you were getting yourself into and you still, you know what I'm saying, went against the culture, my nigga, and you know what school you're at. Like, that's some weird shit. I don't know. That's weird. If he continued to say the derogatory terms and shit like that, he deserved to get kicked out. He should get think- no cheese for this shit. I think in the article on HBCU Buzz, they said he also tweeted, he he like quote tweeted a, a slave tweet or something like that. Uh there was a there was a tweet about a slave that got his back beat so bad, blah, blah, blah. And I think he quoted the tweet and said, We don't know the full story. What could he have done to get put in this situation? And it's like, come on, bro. Like you just asking to get this shit at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so, damn. I don't know, man. I guess, yeah, I guess, yeah, he should have got kicked out. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to figure out why he would go to that school in the first place, feeling how he feels, you know what I'm saying, about black folks in general, bro. So that's more so what I'm trying to get to but, the bottom of, but I'm not mad at H, the how Because a lot of the stuff he was saying, like they said, some of the things he talked about with public concern for political and social change, they deemed it insensitive and offensive, but some of the stuff he was saying was low-key kind of true. He was in a situation where he was calling black people out, and we probably did deserve to get called out with some of the shit, but he took mm-hmm. it too far and started getting racist with it. And then that's mm-hmm. when we was like, all right, we, all right, bro, we got to nip this shit in the bud. Because some of the stuff he was saying in the article, I'll send you the article. He was saying stuff like, you know, um, when it comes to politics, black people, you always vote for the same um you always vote for the same political party every time nothing happens. Like you don't really do anything with your voting power and this, that, and third. He was saying a lot of shit like that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm like, uh, you call it black people out with, with shit. We do need to get called out on, but mm, we can't let this shit slide because you, exactly, you gotta, exactly. You, you got a racist undertone with it. <laughs> and we, we'd rather have one of our own check ourselves about that than have you check us about that, especially if no, you racist sure. with it. So, no, for sure, for sure. I, I definitely agree. <laughs> I definitely agree about that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's more so why they kicked about more so than like the derogatory shit. It's like, oh, nigga, you trying to tell us about ourselves. Ah, get your ass out of here, nigga. Get your ass out of here, nigga. You don't know shit, man. You ain't, you ain't for the culture, nigga. You don't know why we always vote for black people, nigga. You don't, you don't. <laughs> but yeah, man. But uh, moving on to Pastor Ox, man, what you got for song of the week? Uh, so my first song is "He's the Greatest Dancer" by Sister Sledge and "Rocksteady" by The Whispers. I was in my old school bag this week. I've been listening to a lot of old school when I work out. That's some of the best shit to listen to. Man, I got "No L's" by Shmino. and damn, I'm listening to not a Shmino this week, man. What else? And I got Summer Rain by Rick Ross. That Port of Miami 2 still go crazy, man. I still mm-hmm. on that shit. To this day, shout out to that nigga Rose. And what we got for movie and show reviews coming up? Uh, the Ant-Man reviews should be coming up soon. So keep a lookout for that. Snowfall Season 6, we should be reviewing episodes 1 through 3 tomorrow. And we'll have that uploaded as soon as possible. And we got Glass Onion on the docket as well. Creed 3 comes out this Friday. So we are also gonna try and get that recorded for y'all as soon as we can, and we'll have we'll let y'all know when that um 
uh, we'll be able to drop. Yes, sir. And we appreciate you guys for listening. And we out. Peace. Oh, I forgot this shit. What?